Welcome to the Women's Pelvic Pain Podcast, your ultimate source of uncensored information on women's pelvic health. In this podcast, you will hear from health practitioners, holistic healers, nutrition experts, and fitness gurus, in addition to people who have or had suffered from chronic pelvic pain in order to learn and understand everything there is to know about pelvic floor disorders. I'm here to share with you what I've learned in my seven and counting years of personal experience with chronic pelvic pain. Approximately one-third of women suffer from pelvic pain. It's an unspoken epidemic. So many of us have it, yet no one talks about it. However, the mission of this podcast is to break the pelvic pain silence. The conversations are intimate, raw, and completely unedited in order to deliver the most authentic information possible. With education, patience, and the proper tools and techniques, pelvic pain can be overcome. Welcome back to the Women's Pelvic Pain Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Matluck. I'm a holistic health and wellness coach, and I've suffered from chronic pelvic pain for many years of my life. Pelvic pain is such a complex topic, which is really why I wanted to start this podcast. I was determined to simplify the topic and make it one that is understandable, accessible, and hopefully interesting. Um, The goal of this podcast is to help make sense of what pelvic pain really is and to provide advice, insight, and comfort to those who suffer from it. So today I am here with Dr. Sonia Bolani. Dr. Bolani is a gynecologist who specializes in pelvic pain. She's based out of New York City, and we are going to talk about many interesting things today. So thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to hear about your career and your practice and your knowledge of pelvic pain, and most importantly, to be able to share all this information with our listeners. So thank you so much. Will you give us a quick introduction of what exactly you do? Sure, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on here. So it's nice to, I guess, virtually meet everyone. (laughs) But my name is Sonia Bolani, and I'm actually um, a GYN by training. I did my residency actually in the city at Cornell. And then I did my fellowship at Northwell in the Department of Urology. And the reason for that, which might seem a little bit weird to people, is that we try to approach the patient in more of a patient-centered manner as opposed to a problem-centered manner. Meaning that patients with pelvic pain oftentimes are tossed around from doctor to doctor. They go to the GYN, they go to the urologist, they go to the uh, physical therapist, and so they never really know exactly where they're supposed to be. So in terms of having a training that incorporates both, I think it's good because I'm able to kind of look at the whole patient as opposed to just part of the patient. So that's, that's really where my training lies. And now that this is all I do, now I don't do general GYN or general OB, I literally just treat pelvic pain. So the question that I really want to ask you at first is how did you get started in the area of the pelvic floor and pelvic pain? Because I think that pelvic pain is really like the one of the most under-addressed issues in the medical world, and most people don't really even know what their pelvic floor is and don't know that so many problems they could have health-wise could be stemming from their pelvic floor. So how did you decide that, that this was the area of medicine that you wanted to focus in? 
So I was really lucky because when I trained at Cornell, I, I had Dr. Ledger there. And Dr. Ledger is actually someone who's focused on the pelvic floor, on female organs, you know, the uterus, the all, all types of pelvic floor issues since this was his life's work. Mm-hmm. So when I was able to, to train under him, I was able to see that, well, wait a minute. It's not, pain doesn't just have to come from a certain organ. Pain can actually come from these muscles. Mm -hmm. And nine out of 10 times, it actually is coming from the muscles. Mm -hmm. And I think it's human nature to often want to kind of blame an organ system or blame something that's there that's, that's causing it. And no one ever thinks of the muscles as being a problem when more often than not they are right it's really interesting yeah and it's also hard to explain to people because a lot of times when people come to me and they're like oh you have a podcast on pelvic pain or you have pelvic pain whatever it is they say like oh you have hip pain or where does it hurt like they and they'll point to their lower abdomen and it's not their fault that they don't they don't understand what the issue is but it's also hard to explain what like what types of pain you can have from your pelvic floor and that like you could feel it in your bladder your vagina your rectum not just your lower abdomen where people may think this is where your pelvic area is 100 percent, and and that's the that's a huge take-home point that i think everyone has to understand because patients think that when they if they don't have pelvic pain they it can manifest in different ways like you said bladder pain frequency, urgency, vaginal pain, vaginal discharge, itching. People think they have recurrent UTIs or recurrent infections. They always, they try to blame an organism. And all of these things can stem from the pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the kind of thing that, that no one ever talks about that I think is so important to let people know that even though you're, you might be having these symptoms, it's not necessarily just related to some sort of bacteria or something else. Exactly. So one question that relates to this that I wanted to ask you is, I mean, from, from my knowledge, which would help me tremendously when I'm explaining what pelvic pain is, and for anyone who has pelvic pain that tries to explain what it is to whether it's a doctor or a friend or a family member, um, people often get really confused and they don't know like how you could have pain in these areas of your body that comes from your pelvic floor. So how would you, I guess, explain it or what advice could you give to people who have these issues who are trying to explain it in a way that makes sense and that isn't like they're not going on a rant, which like I can do. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that's a great question and, and it's definitely a tough question uh-huh. because exactly like you said the body has so many different areas to it right and so taking a step back and kind of realizing how the pelvic floor muscles because play a role Mm -hmm. in the rest of your body in your bladder in your vagina and why these symptoms could be related so i mean the term that we that we call this disorder i hate to say it or Mm -hmm. pelvic pain is pelvic floor dysfunction Right. right for this specific part of pelvic pain that we're discussing and so pelvic floor dysfunction is caused by spasming of pelvic floor muscles either in the absence of in the presence of trigger points Mm -hmm. or with tender points and Mm -hmm. so those it's all defined differently so i think just saying i have muscles in my pelvic floor that actually 
spasm mm -hmm. and cause pain, and they actually can mimic symptoms of a urinary tract infection or of a yeast infection, or can cause pain with sex. I mm -hmm. mean, there, there's so many different avenues we can go down just talking about this. But even just getting people to take that step back to mm -hmm. view the body as kind of like a whole entity as opposed to just one area, I think would make it so much easier to explain. I completely agree. And I think that that is like the perfect way to allow someone to understand how pain in, in those other areas of your body can stem from your pelvic floor. And that it's not just pain like your lower abdomen or your hips or. Right. And it's not just, or whenever we say pelvic pain, everyone automatically goes to endometriosis. Do right. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and while that's, that's an entity in and of itself and that's a problem, we, I think encouraging the public to understand that there are other things that can cause pelvic pain too, like pelvic floor dysfunction, like interstitial cystitis, like vulvodynia. Mm -hmm. um, and these things are out there and many women suffer from them and, and should get help for these things is, is just the most noble thing to do. Mm -hmm. I agree, thank you. <laughs> okay, I also wanna talk about for a second how you went to medical school in New York and you were trained through the amazing medical system that we have here, but you also do believe in taking a holistic approach. So I think that that's really interesting because most doctors who were trained through the, the typical medical system, which is an incredible system, don't always take in a holistic approach or they don't really understand how that type of approach can really help heal a patient and like you kind of need that integrative approach in order to get better absolutely so can you tell us more about why and and how you you really decided to take this approach and how you really value this approach and the importance of it when treating your patients yeah i mean i think in order to treat pelvic pain you have to understand that that if you look at the data if you look at science i try to do everything that's evidence-based there's still a lot of unanswered questions mm -hmm. so there's still a lot of things that that we're like well i just don't like we still can't give you a reason of why people get pelvic floor dysfunction right, right? and so there's a lot of things that you can't just answer based on science do right. you know what i mean yeah or or allopathic medicine i mm -hmm. should say so you know, I personally grew up in an Indian family. And mm -hmm. so my grandfather practiced a lot of functional Ayurveda kind of medicine. Mm -hmm. And so I, I decided to take a look at the science behind that. I said, yeah. hey, well, like, is there science behind it? Things like turmeric or like quercetin, these anti-inflammatories. Mm -hmm. People use them and they feel so much better. D-mannose, marshmallow root, you know, right. there's all of these naturopathic things that people do and they feel relief, but why do they feel relief? And to be quite honest, if you look at the data, there there is data out there suggesting that using a more holistic approach mm -hmm. actually results in better outcomes. And faster outcomes. And faster outcomes. Yeah. And so I think if you only look at medicine and treating pelvic pain from an allopathic approach, you will be narrow-minded mm -hmm. and you will not succeed. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that in addition, taking a step back and seeing what we do in terms of our everyday lives, you know, understanding the response that our body has to stress mm -hmm. or to certain postures. Um, it, you know, I can, I'm a doctor, I can give you medicine until I'm blue in the face, mm -hmm. but ultimately if we're doing the same things wrong or, or that, that are affecting our bodies over and over again, then 
we're, we're not going to see that change. Right. You know what I mean? And right. so that's why I think it's so important to take a holistic approach, even in terms of diet, because we see it all the time. And there's mm-hmm. data behind diet and pelvic pain. Mm-hmm. There's ba- data behind diet and pelvic floor dysfunction because yeah. certain foods are inflammatory. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's just, it's so important. And, and I think we have to really use that in order to get to the point where people feel relief. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think that also it's so helpful to have doctors like you who understand the importance of that because a lot of patients don't. So then being able to educate the patient and and tell them, you know, it's not just this medicine that's going to help or this procedure or this physical therapy, but it's also so many other things that you do in your life that a patient might not be conscious of that could really help them heal and help you know reduce their pain and their inflammation and and any other issues that they might be having absolutely and, and people who have pelvic pain it's not like they want to be on medication do you know what i yeah, mean definitely and so not. sometimes practitioners will look at these patients and say oh well you know maybe they just need medication but the truth is i don't think anybody walks into a doctor's office saying i definitely want to be on a medication everybody wants to live their best lives doing whatever it is that they're doing right so if we can do that and and if we need medication use it but if we can do that and use other things as well i think we have a better prospect of having long-term better outcomes i completely agree um so also you are really involved in raising awareness and advocating for women's health you're involved in so much research and you present at conferences, you're published in top national and international journals. So in your efforts to bring these topics of pelvic pain and women's sexual health to the forefront, what are some obstacles or challenges that you have faced? And also what has been the most rewarding or enlightening part of this journey? So one of the biggest, and that, thank you so much. That was so nice of you. <laughs> That's also a big question. Sorry. <laughs> one of the biggest obstacles I face and, and we all face mm-hmm. is that people don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think what you're doing is really a testament to kind of who you are and what you're bringing to the forefront. And that's amazing because people don't want to talk about this. They kind of want to shy away from it. Mm-hmm. I have patients who sit in my office who have been suffering for years, who've been told that it's normal mm-hmm. or get over it or mm-hmm. it's in your head. Mm-hmm. And if as practitioners, there's other practitioners saying these things, we're never going to get anywhere. Do you know what I mean? We're just shooting ourselves in the foot. So, you know, I always start by telling my patients that pelvic pain is complex. If it was easy, everybody would be treating it. Um, But we have to break these myths and we have to break the silence surrounding it because, you know, as cliched as it sounds, we're all sitting here kind of being like, oh, well, I don't want to talk about how I had pain with sex or I don't want to talk about how I go to the bathroom 50 times a day and I can tell you every bathroom in this area. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? But these are issues. And and I think if more people start talking about them and more people continue this conversation, you'll realize that more people than you know are actually suffering and Mm -hmm. they can actually get help and get better and live normal lives. Right. And so that's definitely the biggest obstacle we face in this day and age. And thank you for being a part of the solution as opposed to a part of the problem. Um, And the most rewarding thing is having 
you know, having people really say, you changed my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like having people sit in my office or send me messages and say, because of you, uh, you know, I can go on vacation. For some people, they can't even right. go away because of this. Right. You know what I mean? Or because of you, I don't have pain with sex. And and it's 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 that understanding that this is a real issue and really being able to get people it's a quality of life issue to live the best lives that they can because in this day and age that and that's what life's all about you know what i mean no it's amazing and and um i really think that like obviously i'm not a doctor but just being able to hear from someone that you've helped or treated or even talked to and and hear from them that you have changed their life or you have sent them to someone or fixed them in some way or provided them with a specific treatment it's like the most rewarding thing that that you could ever really ask for honestly absolutely yeah that's i mean that's why we're doing this you know we're i think that's why we're both even here today i mean they're why you started this i mean this is this conversation in and of itself can help people you know and so that's great um can you tell us exactly what multimodal therapy is and why this form of treatment is so important and so beneficial when treating patients with chronic pain, whether it's pelvic pain or really any form of chronic pain in general. Um, Before we were podcasting today, you mentioned the term multimodal therapy, and I said, oh, what is that? And then when you told me what it was, I was like, oh, yeah, of course I know what that is, but I think that that term threw me off and might, you know, people don't associate what it is with the term or the definition for lack of a better word with the term so can you just explain what exactly it is and how it really is super helpful yeah so having pelvic pain is not like having a cold there's no single pill i can give to someone and they're gonna go home and say okay i'm done i'm better see you you know in in a year pelvic pain it requires approaching it from multiple different angles and that's because there are multiple different pain generators. There's not one thing that's causing the pelvic pain. Sure, it could be a problem with the muscles. In turn, it could be a problem with the nerves. It could be a problem with the tissue. So if we approach it so uh, single-handedly, we won't see the results that we wanna see. So I often tell my patients that it's like peeling an onion, Mm -hmm. okay? So if we wanna get to the bottom of the problem, we gotta peel through all the excess layers to get there. Mm -hmm. And in order to peel through all the excess layers to get there, we have to approach the problem and treating the problem in many different ways. Mm -hmm. So for example, someone says to me, I have, we'll call it pelvic floor dysfunction or pelvic pain, or Mm -hmm. so I have, my muscles are spasming. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna help me? Mm-hmm. Can you give me a medication? I can give you a medication, but if you decide that you're gonna sit all day or that you're going to cheat, your, your posture is gonna be often misaligned mm-hmm. or that you're stressed out or that you have um, all these other things going on and we're not gonna treat all those other things, we're just gonna give you a medication, you're never gonna see that patient get better. Yeah. And so the concept is, to use medication, to use you know physical therapy, to use lifestyle changes, behavioral modifications, diet changes, mm-hmm. to to ch- change the entire picture, to really get to the bo- bottom of it, not just put a bandaid on the problem. Yeah. Um, and how do patients react when you like explain this to them? And I think a lot of people do want some sort of miracle pill. 
So when you tell them like you actually have to change your lifestyle or you have to change X, Y, and Z, I think that at first that's not maybe something that patients might want to do, but then they might realize that, oh, if I do change these things, I will feel significantly better. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, when I say that, most patients look at me like, you want me to do what? Yeah. And, and I always have the conversation with them. I say, it's 50% me, it's 50% you. Right. I can help you get there, but I can't do all the things that, that I need you to do to get there. Right. And, um, and you're, I mean, everybody wants a quick fix, right? Everyone. That's, that's yeah. just the way things work. But I can tell you, you see a stark difference between those who are like, wait a minute, you're so right. I realized that day I was really stressed out. Mm-hmm. I went to the bathroom 16 times. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so they they think, well, wait a minute, how was that related? Ah, I see that relationship. Right. And once they're able to see that relationship, they're able to invest the time and the effort to do it. Mm-hmm. So I always try to make that connection with someone. Right. Just try to, try to, to try to explain to them exactly why they're having their symptoms so that they say, now I understand why you want me to go see a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Now I understand why you want me to go do yoga or meditation or, you know, whatever else the other entity is. Yeah. And and I think that, um, but you're so right. It's, it's Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes some people don't want to hear that. And, yeah. and, and to that, we can only say we can only do so much. It's, yeah. And that's what it is. But I think also once that patient starts to see the link between whatever the issue is that you're trying to address and the pain that they have then they're more inclined to want to address that problem um for example i know that when i don't sleep well my i don't feel well the next day Mm -hmm. so that makes me realize how important it is and how much of an effort i really have to consciously make to go to sleep early or you know to not wake up at 6 a.m to do something i had to do like don't set my alarm and sleep until eight o'clock because i know that those two more hours of sleep will make a huge difference in the next three days of my week i'll feel that much better you know if i have one bad night of sleep i won't feel well for a few days so it's just like small things that you can do and also putting yourself first like you're the most important if you need to not go to an event one night or not meet someone for an er- something early in the morning like do that for yourself because you need to do what what's going to make you feel the best uh, absolutely yeah and and you know i think no one everyone is comes in because they want to find a solution yeah so most of the time even if it's not an answer that they want to hear once they understand that relationship mm-hmm. or and and once they start implementing i always tell them when you come in next time, you're going to be a different person. Yeah. And then you're really, because you see people's, people change. Their yeah. whole attitude towards life changes when you're not suffering so much anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always try to get everyone to understand, even about, about all my patients that suffer, that, like, that's not necessarily, you know, their personality that's coming out right now. That's the stress. That's mm-hmm. the, the, the fact that they haven't slept in five days right. because they've been waking up from pain or, you know, and I think that's so true. We oftentimes don't acknowledge what those are, those that are suffering are actually going through. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a huge problem. Can I ask you an interesting question yeah. that I just thought of? How do you really like deal with patients that when a lot of patients are in pain, they come in and they're miserable. And, mm. and I mean, I don't want to make a 
too much of a generalization, but like I can speak from personal experience. Like I've taken my pain out on doctors before, which is wrong, but it's really hard to like control yourself when you really don't feel well and you're in a doctor's office and maybe you're not hearing exactly what you want to hear. It's hard for a doctor also to like stay calm and be, you know what I mean? (laughs) So like how, like what are your thoughts on that? Or like how do you respond to patients when they are not so pleasant because they're not feeling well? You know, and I, that's a great question because that's definitely something, you know, truth be told that we all encounter mm-hmm. both ways, you know, mm-hmm. and I've been a patient too. And I'm sure, you know, as doctors, we have bad days too. Right. Um, but I think number one is for me is setting expectations with my patients mm-hmm. and saying, you know, I understand that you're suffering and mm-hmm. I understand that this might not be what you know, w- where you are right at this moment is just an indication of how much you're suffering. Mm-hmm. And I can try and get you to this point, but I need you to trust the process a little right. bit. And I think that's hard for people, but I really do think that having having some faith in, in what it is that we're doing and trusting where we can go mm-hmm. makes patients that much more secure in what we're gonna do. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because most of the time, it's that they feel that they're not even heard. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They feel that they've been going to doctor to doctor to doctor, and I'm just another one on the list that's right. going to not understand their problem or ignore it or just do whatever it is I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I also tell patients, because another issue that comes up is that oftentimes when we use medications, patients will say, well, I've been on that before. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I always say to them, it's like me having an, a tennis racket and uh, Rafael Nadal having a tennis racket. Mm-hmm. He plays a lot better than I do, right? right? We have the same tools. It's just how you use them. Right. So oftentimes, I may have to go back to some of those medications. But if you use them in the right way at the right time, the concept of peeling the onion, multimodal therapy in conjunction with physical therapy or in conjunction with other behavioral modifications, you see a much better outcome. That's really interesting. I, I've even said, like, oh, I've been on that medicine and it didn't work. But maybe, you know. It wasn't used in the right context. Right. And really so, interesting. Yeah. Can you talk more about setting expectations when you have patients who come in? I mean, almost all your patients co- are coming in for pelvic pain, but it's not a quick solution. And there really aren't answers, as you said, as to what pelvic pain is stemming from and what the cause is. So how how do you set expectations for your patients that you know you're not going to get better in in a day in a week you're not going to get better in a month you probably won't get better in five months like i remember the first doctor that i went to who really diagnosed me with pelvic floor dysfunction the obvious first question i asked her was how long am i going to is it going to take for me to feel better and she said come back to me in a year and you'll probably be 80 percent better I was hysterically crying for like the rest of the day and the night. I was like, I cannot live this way for a year. Here I am a year later and I'm 80% better. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting, but it's also really hard to hear that when you're in pain. Um, but you, you do progressively get, get better. It's not, you're not going to be in excruciating pain for a year. But anyways, back to the question, <laughs> how do you set expectations for these types of patients? Just, just like you said, directly. Yeah. You know, I'm very direct and I'll say, and you know, I'll often say it takes time. Mm-hmm. But I, I like to see my patients about every six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I do that is because the real progress occurs in the subtle nuances. Right. 
And if I don't actually show them that they're getting better, mm-hmm. sometimes they don't see it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Completely. And so when I bring them back in six to eight weeks, I, I also you know want to see how their treatments are going because if we need to change something, I can't just leave them be for you know a long time. So I bring them back every six to eight weeks and I'll review. All right, how many times are you waking up now? How many times are you going to the bathroom? How's your what's your pain level? And oftentimes it's not these big wins that they see. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But mm-hmm. they'll say, you know what? I only woke up once last night. Right. They come back three months later. Oh, I don't wake up anymore. But that was never my issue. But wait a minute. That totally was part of your mm-hmm. issue when you came in. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of reviewing with them. Well, wait a minute. When you came to me three months ago, you said this. They're like, oh, you're right. I don't even remember <laughs> that that happened. And now, because we peel the onion. So now their focus lies on something else. Right. right. Because we're treating something else at that point. Right. And and that's OK as long as they see the bigger picture and where they've come, because mm-hmm. if they look at the short term, they'll they'll feel defeated. And that's not where I want them to be. Exactly. So reminding them and and yeah. showing them showing the them progress their progress. That, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you can definitely show people their progress. Mm-hmm. And that that makes it that much more worthwhile because then you want to go forward. You're like, yeah, I noticed I did get better. You right. know what I mean? Right. And what's like the average time time frame that you see your patients, I guess, progress in? Like the longer that they've had the issues, the longer it takes to to correct and the shorter the likewise. But you know, it's it all varies on their symptoms for yeah. sure. Generally, I do think that people see a difference within, you know, even a little bit of a difference mm-hmm. within three months. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it depends on how long they've had their symptoms, how severe their symptoms are, where actually their symptoms are coming from. Mm-hmm. But their outlook is just number one, determining how fast they will get better. Right. And, and they're 50%, you know, are they doing their exercises? Are they taking their medication? Are right. they doing the, the stuff that we have to do? And, but I really think generally you can see a difference within, I mean, I bring, I bring all my patients back in six to eight weeks to make sure we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. I don't promise them like 100% resolution, mm-hmm. but I do think by eight, six to eight weeks, you should be 20 to 30% better. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And do you send all of your patients to pelvic floor physical therapy? Most of the time, uh-huh. I'm if for pelvic floor dysfunction. Right. Um, you know, unless I feel that they're just so tender that they they won't tolerate it. Right. Um, and that it will ultimately make them worse. Right. Although I do tell patients it's probably going to get a little bit worse before it gets better. Right. Because think about it like having a knot anywhere else in your body mm-hmm. someone has to actually get that knot out yeah. and that's not that's not something that happens overnight mm-hmm. um so ju- I, I definitely love physical therapy as an adjunct to treatment i mean i do if you look at the data i do use medications because yeah. you know i believe that they work yeah um but i think part and parcel of getting better is learning what it is that that is happening in your body that's causing kind of ca- causing these muscles to mm-hmm. spasm mm-hmm. and it, it really completely depends on each person of absolutely so individualized yeah my friend who i had on one of the earlier episodes her biggest problem was painful sex and she went to physical therapy and they were able to fix her issue within i think two months she said so like that's a relatively quick fix just going to physical therapy she didn't take any 
medicine. She didn't need any injections or like she just went to physical therapy. She had, I guess, specific muscles that were spasming and they released those muscles. And she really she had to work on it at home with the dilator. And right. The, the tools that they give you to do at home. So that was obviously a part of her healing. But she was com- really relatively completely cured. And then, I mean, you could take someone like me where they still have no idea where my why my I have my issues or where they're coming from and it's not as quick of a fix. Right. So it, it really does depend it's on the situation. So dependent. Yeah. And and you know, and I think that's great that she was able to get such relief. Unfortunately, I wouldn't say that's the norm. Definitely not. Um and I think with most people there's always other other things that are involved. Yeah. And so that's why that's why you know getting you to the eighty percent better mm-hmm. is easy. Mm-hmm. All right, it's getting you from the eighty to a hundred. That's that's the hard part. That's where the work lies. Yeah, because that's really where you're. I mean, you're really titrating things very shortly and very and very specifically, I should say. Yeah, and. Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you can't get to that 100% better, mm-hmm. but you could get to the 95% better. Mm-hmm. And and that person will say to you, but now I can live my life. And mm-hmm. most days I don't think of my pain. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I have some days that I think of my pain, but my job is to give you the tools to know what to do on those days. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I think that's really where, where you see the most benefit. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for getting from that 80% mark to the to the 95% mark and that's probably <laughs> that as you said is the hardest the hardest part of yeah. it yeah it's going to vary on exactly what was done right um but so just depending on exactly where that person was in their treatment you know but but using things like things like valium suppositories mm-hmm. things like um trigger point injections yeah. things like acupuncture things like botox even i mean they are potentially life-changing mm-hmm. um and most people you know no one's gonna opt to have needles stuck in their pelvic floor unless they're in pain yeah. you know what i mean that's not something that someone's gonna say sure go ahead do it right so so you know knowing getting hitting the exact right points you know what mm-hmm. i mean it's a little operator dependent too yeah. just knowing exactly where you're going so that someone says you know i always tell my patients i say you're, you'll get the injections and your pain level might be at like a five and then you get the, the injections and your pain level might go to a seven mm-hmm. but the goal is that after two or three days that pain level goes down to a two and that becomes your new norm mm-hmm. and you know just so you can see that graph in your head how oh it's going to spike up and then it'll come down but it'll come down way lower than where you were before mm-hmm. i also think um what well I, what i also think is so interesting is i've had several doctors tell me that which is so true is that pelvic it's kind of like a guessing game with pelvic pain it's like almost i don't want to say impossible but it's really really difficult to identify where the pain is coming from and why people have the pain so it really i think i don't want to put words in your mouth but for a lot of doctor for most doctors treating pelvic pain it's kind of a guessing game because like you have to try so many different things in order to find out what's going to help that specific patient um at the same time it's so amazing to see how many treatments there are and how so many people really can be completely healed from pelvic pain when 
there isn't even an exact cause of it. Right. You know, I, th- I don't think it's a guessing game as much as I think it's it's titrating things. Okay. Uh-huh. And so I think, I think, you know, part of it, like you said, is coming from muscles. Okay, so we'll treat the muscles, right? right? But then what if part of it is coming from the nerves and we've right. never treated the nerves? Right. So now we got to treat the nerves. Well, wait a minute. What if you notice that part of it's now actually coming from the vagina? Then mm-hmm. we got to treat the vagina. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like... It's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but the only way to find out is to start by treating something. Right. And so I totally see why from a patient's perspective, it feels like you're almost throwing darts, mm-hmm. but you're not, you know, in your yeah. head, you have this whole plan. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the problem when you're mm-hmm. seeing patients. As a physician in your head, you have this huge plan that you kind mm-hmm. of have mapped out. Clearly, in like an appointment setting, you don't have eight hours to go over everything that's going on in your head. Right. So you stick to right at that moment what you want to do. Right. And you do that, mm-hmm. but the patients don't see the relief that they want. Mm-hmm. So then you got to do the next thing. So it seems like you're kind of, you know, guessing, whereas mm-hmm. it's more like this is part of the process. Yeah. And I think that's a good point for, for all practitioners out there. Mm-hmm. You know, verbalizing that to a patient like if you came in and I said that to you you'd say oh that makes more sense now now I get it do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean but when we just say it like we're just going to do this then you think oh well that didn't work so now you got to go to the next thing you know what I mean completely and so it's all in how you frame it but most practitioners are doing that they're they are peeling the onion right and and utilize many different things correct interesting um okay what would be a tip that you can give to the audience related to anything really at all that we've talked about or haven't talked about? I, my, my, I mean, my take home message number one uh-huh. would be that if like, if you're feeling symptoms of pain, of painful sex, of frequency, or, and you think something's not right, it's probably not right. Mm-hmm see someone Mm -hmm. don't ignore it Mm -hmm. because if you keep ignoring it it will get worse yeah and then one day it'll be harder to treat Mm -hmm. and my patients that come in earlier on in the game do a lot better than than those that come in when they've been suffering for years and years and years yeah um and then number two kind of like what the the whole concept of what you brought up with the multimodal therapy we are you're understanding that this is going to take time and we're going to do a lot of different things, but we'll get you there because mm-hmm. you can get there. Because some people look on the internet and they're like, this is dismal. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to ever live my life. And someone like you sharing with them like, no, look at my story and look at all these people out there. There is hope people mm-hmm. get better. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing. That's the best tip that you could give anyone that the fact that there is hope and that that you will get there i think that it's so important to act on the pain that you're having um also because well i actually you can explain this better than i can but can you in response to that really really helpful tip can you explain why it's so important to do something when you when you know that you're having a problem and and you know that it's most likely something's wrong why it's so important to address it because being in chronic pain for such a long period of time or the longer that you let the pain go on the harder it is to reverse it because I guess your muscle memory 
learns that and it's harder to unlearn that the longer you've had the the pain so addressing it and and dealing with it quickly will help you heal quicker definitely that's that's such a true point yeah and then in addition to that point it's it's like the concept of cycling right Mm -hmm. so when you feel pain when you feel discomfort or something's not right and you ignore it you tend to ignore whatever it is the problem is Mm -hmm. and then it gets worse Mm -hmm. and then you think about it a little bit more Mm -hmm. and then it gets worse and then you start thinking about it all the time right and then you just begin cycling into the pain or for people who have painful sex they stop having sex and you know what it's a use it or lose it phenomenon it gets worse yeah and so and so dealing with actually saying like, wait a minute, this is a problem. Like, let me seek help. And there are so many people out there that can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, will prevent number one, like you said, the muscle memory, the nerves from firing much faster, much stronger, mm-hmm. and and the the concept of cycling into that pain will get worse. Mm-hmm. So you got to deal with it right when it starts. Mm-hmm. I agree, <laughs> and I think that's super helpful. Good. Um, Okay, I have a random tip about sleep, which might not be so revolutionary, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I bet it is. I bet it is. <laughs> um, so melatonin is natural. You can take it before you go to bed. And a lot of people who I've talked to, a lot of my friends who have tried melatonin say that it doesn't do anything for them at all. However... I take melatonin and I find that if I take it two and a half milligrams an hour before I go to sleep, I my head hits the pillow when I'm asleep. If I don't take it, I often have trouble falling asleep. So my recommendation would be for people who have trouble falling asleep is to try and take melatonin because you wake up, you you don't feel groggy, you don't feel, it's not, you're not taking a sleeping pill. Um, but it really helps you fall asleep. And I think that, as we said, sleep is so important for healing chronic pain um, that if you can take a melatonin and, and have a better sleep, it's something that people should really try doing. I like that. Another one that I like yeah. is magnesium. I agree. 400 milligrams of magnesium. Uh-huh. And it also, like, I take it every night, yeah. I mean, personally. Wait, which, t- aren't there, diff- there's different types, so, like, a specific one is for sleep. If, if you take 400 milligrams uh-huh. just of magnesium, yeah. plain magnesium, yeah. what it does, it does, it kind of helps in multiple different ways. Mm-hmm. One is that it makes you poop, all right? Right, which <laughs> so is that's good. actually really helpful. Really helpful for, for your pelvic floor, yeah. exactly, <laughs> which is good. So there's that. Uh-huh. And then it also makes you fall asleep yeah and then it also decreases like the firing of the nerve so for people with muscle pain so like people that work out a lot like you'll you can feel kind of soreness from muscles it'll take away that soreness yeah so think about how that works for people with pelvic floor dysfunction probably takes away that soreness a little Mm -hmm. bit so i really like the just 400 milligrams of magnesium at night and i think it's a great supplement for, I mean, if you don't have, it's not, no one has cardiac issues yeah. or whatever. It's a great thing to try too. Amazing. Do you have a specific one that you like? I actually, I, I use like Target brand. That's <laughs> even better. Um, okay. Everyone, Target brand magnesium. It works. Target should be calling us right I about now. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure there's great brands out there. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree. I think that 
I'll, I'll link one. I'll so yeah. put a link in the notes so that um, I'll put a link for, for magnesium and for melatonin. I like that. I think that's so good. And there's so many things like this that we could talk about, you know, mm-hmm. and we could talk about the holistic measures that could really potentially be helpful for mm-hmm. people. Just like you said, like sleeping, like when you sleep at night, you're a different person in the morning. That pain is going to tackle you a completely different way than it would if you're not. Completely. So I I like that tip. That was good. I like your tip. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Um, Where can everyone find you? You can find me on the internet at www.pelvicpaindoc.com, on Instagram at pelvicpaindoc.com, on Facebook at the same thing, (laughs) and Twitter. Uh Um, And yeah, that's that's kind of all the social avenues that I have right now. Cool. And if someone wanted to make an appointment to see you? You, They can um, email me through the website. Got it. Cool. Okay. Thank you. That was amazing. There's lots of really helpful information for everyone. Thank you. Thank you. you.